As we move through the season of Epiphany, the church calendar invites us to look for the ways that God reveals God's self to us. Our scripture passage for today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, beginning with the 14th verse. As you hear it, bear in mind that it falls right after the beginning of Jesus's public ministry. He's been baptized by John in the River Jordan, spent 40 days in the wilderness being tempted, and now he's starting his work of teaching and healing. So let us now listen for a word from the Lord. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogues on the Sabbath day, as it was custom. He stood up to read the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, which was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery to the sight of sight to the blind, to let the oppressors go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My cell phone has started sending me notifications of past memories in my photo album. I'm not sure if yours does the same. But this week, I was sent a memory from almost five years ago. It was a self-recorded video that I had to take for my first official preaching class in seminary. It felt like torture watching it, but my preaching professor had always encouraged us to practice in front of our camera and to record ourselves frequently. She would then make us schedule one-on-one meetings where we would sit and watch all the videos and take notes. My professor was lovely and brilliant, but those viewing sessions were the worst. This week we hear the words from one of Jesus's first sermons. He would have received high marks in a preaching class. I can imagine my preaching professor sitting down with him and singing praises. His use of illustration is fitting and convincing. He's clearly familiar with the prophets. He follows Karl Barth's preaching advice and hugs the text. His audience analysis is on target. He reads his hometown crowd very well. Jesus knows scripture, and he knows that the people to whom he's preaching in his hometown synagogue, they know scripture. This is Jesus's very first act of public ministry in Luke's version of Jesus's story. Word had started to spread about him throughout the community when he had made his way home, and he was invited to read scripture at his local synagogue service. And he was assigned a reading from the Isaiah scroll, 
which would have been a great honor for him. As he speaks, there's no fluff, there's no wasted words. How do you break it to your hometown crowd that you didn't come to please them? You came to be faithful and fulfill God's redemptive purposes among them. What pressure he must have been under to conform to the hopes and desires of this adoring crowd. He chooses instead to preach the unvarnished truth. And in doing so, he not only disappoints them, but he angers them. We first have to imagine what life would be like if we were to read scripture expecting to be confronted with truths that would challenge and inspire our personal goals, our relationships, our abilities, our values, and decisions. Just imagine, as religious people, we sometimes think that we like scripture. But the truth is that a lot of times we like the idea of scripture. We like the stories and the captivating characters. We like the wise sayings and the dramatic turns and the beautiful poetry. We like the scandalous behavior, and we especially like the parts that reinforce what we already think that we know, the parts that give us warm, fuzzy feelings inside. The religious people in the synagogue on the day Jesus read from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah also liked scripture. At least they liked the idea of scripture. They liked being seen reading and listening to scripture. It made them look and feel righteous. Jesus read the scripture from Isaiah and spoke about, realize, about releasing the captives, giving sight to the blind, and bringing good news to the poor. The verses sound wonderful when someone reads them. These are warm, fuzzy words that make us feel good. Yes, we should bless the poor and we should heal the blind. That's wonderful. But Jesus took it too far for them. He shook the warm fuzzies out of their ears and their hearts by boldly asserting, the words that you just heard, well, they're actually true. Which means that everyone who heard these words of truth was going to have to do something about it. After all, how could one be confronted with the truth and go on living as though the truth doesn't make a difference. We don't have to use our imaginations this morning to figure out what happens next. A few verses later, these same religious people from the synagogue marched Jesus to the edge of a cliff, dead set on throwing him off. All because he had the audacity to read the scripture and proclaim its truth. We like the idea of scripture, but we're scared to death sometimes that it might actually be true. The implications can be terrifying. Like, what if Jesus truly prefers hanging out with sinners over righteous folk? Does that mean we should be spending our time and energy with different people? What if Jesus truly expects us to give away everything we own to the poor so that we can follow him? Just how much of our consumer comforts are we willing to really give away? What if our faith truly can move mountains? 
Does that mean that our, confined, our combined faith and action could actually solve some of the world's most oppressive problems? What if the meek and the poor and the merciful and the hungry and the peacemakers and the persecuted truly were blessed? Does that mean seeking comfort and material possessions? Does that lead us away from God's blessing? We tell ourselves often that material possessions are proof of God's blessings. What if Jesus truly expects us to turn the other cheek when we're struck? What if God really does love and accept us, even though we've done nothing to deserve it? Are we willing to admit that we're worthy to be loved and to love others? Imagine if Jesus were to appear before us on any given Sunday and tell us that the scripture we just heard is actually true. I doubt our reaction would have been much different than the religious people who marched Jesus to the edge of that cliff. Luke's gospel blesses us by showing us a glimpse of what we might call Jesus' own personal mission statement. What Jesus says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He's saying, you heard it. This is my mission statement. This is what I'm all about. Everything I'm about to do will measure up to this statement. So this one sentence sermon of Jesus, it gets an A plus because it captures the attention of the whole synagogue this one sentence that Jesus said, said so much more. He's the one that they've been waiting for. All those things that they just heard in that prophetic scroll, those things the prophet spoke about of a world turned upside down, where the last become first, that's what he's here to do. This is his mission statement. And the Spirit is with him as be he begins his ministry. Jesus goes on to spend his life putting this good news into action, welcoming folks who've been pushed to the side, turning over tables and challenging oppression, feeding hungry people, tending to the sick, making time for those who are shunned and cast out. This is Jesus. Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, the one that was anointed to speak out and to proclaim good news to the poor, to release the captives, to proclaim sight to the blind and freedom for the oppressed. And this is Jesus's invitation to all of us to be part of his mission in the world. One of my absolute favorite preachers of all time, the late Fred Craddock, wrote a beautiful commentary on this story. Craddock says that the time of God is today. And so we are called to be people of today and to encounter and to interpret scripture in that context. Jesus says that scripture is the same today and yesterday and forever. But we, all of us, are not. We are people who change our relationships. We change culturally, technologically, we change politically. And so as changed and changing people, 
We're called to join in the work of Jesus' mission to the world, to join in the work of creating freedom where oppression lies, of helping to nurture and sustain a world where all of God's children are welcome. And that takes courage. Jesus' charge to us today is his one-sentence sermon. This scripture has been fulfilled in our hearing. We've heard it. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us join our hearts and minds in prayer together. Wondrous God, you have gathered us once again to worship you, to praise and to thank you for all that has been given to us. Call us awake to your presence as we seek you more deeply. Let us see your light so that we may stand in its beam and shine ever more brightly. God, we give thanks for your amazing works in our lives. There is so much goodness around us. Yet we realize that all is still wrong. We realize all that is still wrong and unjust in the world. Pour out your spirit upon us that we may bring your good news to those who so desperately need it. Empower and embolden us that we may seek justice and mercy and love. Cultivate our lives to be a people of your mission. May your spirit fall on all your children for fresh starts, renewed hope, and liberating freedom. Your son Jesus came for our bound hearts and broken places. Your son's ministry of compassion, restoration, and liberation is a worthy plan. Help us see and admit to those things that separate us from you so that we too may be made new. May the work of our hearts and hands be nothing short of your call on our lives. By the power of your spirit, your son Jesus proclaimed freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, freedom to the oppressed. Help us to do the same. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, in mind, or in spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles and patience in their healing. We lift those who suffer from illness, anxiety, depression, suicide, and pray that you would refresh their spirits and the spirits of all who provide care and comfort. We pray for the leaders of our country and nation, that they may use their power and judgment for healing and prosperity for all. May they be filled with compassion and courage to speak out on behalf of the poor, the sick, and free those who are oppressed and held captive by misguided aims. We pause in this moment to offer you our other heartfelt prayers of thanksgiving, healing, petition, intercession, silently now. Lord, we thank you that you hear all those prayers 
those that are even too deep for words, that are simply groans. We give thanks for all that has been fulfilled in your word and in our hearing. We know that the work is far from done. May we, your church, seek to do your will with renewed vigor and might. We know you hear all these things that rest joyfully and both heavy in our hearts. So let us join our voices together now, praying the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. At this time, we invite you ways that you might consider joining and fulfilling God's call for your service to this world. All the earth and everything in it does belong to God. Your time, your talent, and your treasures. They were given to you and to us for the benefit of others. Let us share our gifts with God and one another.
join me in praying as we dedicate our gifts to God. Almighty God, who made us who we are, we offer all of ourselves to you. Take our talents, our energy, and our joy, and use us to share your love. Take our mistakes, our regrets, and our pain, and use us to bring your healing. Magnify the gifts we offer before you today to spread your peace in the world. Amen. as we walk through this week, go from here knowing that God is with you and seeks to reveal God's goodness to you in both small and incredible ways. So as you go, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace now and forevermore. Amen. Thousand tongues to sing, my dear Redeemer. 